to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. to have God on our side. My goodness, every morning I wake up and know that he's there. Man, and he never changes. Amen. Amen. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Bless his holy name. When he made his mind up to save you and I, it was made up. It was a done deal. It was a fixed fight. It was over. Praise the Lord. Glory be to his name. Well, uh, it's good to be here on a Wednesday night, and like, I'd like to commend you guys for coming out. Say thank you very much, and I know you're going to uh, get something from tonight. Hallelujah. The Lord's got something pressing on my heart, and uh, I'm sure it's going light to your, light your fire in the mighty name of Yeshua. I'd just like to uh, just say thank you for faithful shepherds, uh, Tom and Becky, just being, always being there, always being steadfast and true, and I know he carries this church uh, here when we see him and, and when we don't see him. It's on his mind 24-7, and, and it's, it, he's carried it well. And, uh, and uh, I thank God for them each and every day. And um, he, he, don't, he doesn't normally like public accolades like that, but, you know, I can't help it. I, I just got to say thank you publicly. Amen. And I'm, I'm grateful for their, their walk, and I'm thank, I, I thank God that they said yes to their call. Amen. Because of them. Because they stood faithful, because they stood tough, and, and they stood steadfast. And when times were tough, I'm able to get, go to the next level in God, you know, to have deeper and, and greater revelation. So I, I thank them for that, and I thank you that, that they're just so loving, and they are steadfast. They're wonderful examples of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So uh, we got women's on Friday, right, at 7 o'clock. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Women on fire. We're on fire for the Lord. Hallelujah. We want to burn brightly. We want to burn brighter and brighter for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Yeshua, Messiah. Praise the name of the Lord. So, what I want to talk to you all about tonight is Jesus, our warrior king. Jesus, our Messiah, the warrior king. I'm going to just uh, state from Psalms 27. The Lord is my light, and he is my salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I fear? My enemies came against me, and they fell. Hallelujah. Because of the Lord. And when the Lord is your light, you don't have to wander in darkness because you are sons and daughters of light. Amen. Amen. You have the light. And God is encouraging each and every one of us in this hour to shine forth your light. Don't put it under a bushel, but put it up high so that all men can see it and glorify your heavenly father. Amen. Hallelujah. Because he has given us salvation. Salvation is wholeness, nothing broken, nothing missing. Everything in its rightful place. Because of him, because of our Lord, we have wholeness in everything. We have peace. We have uh, knowledge, wisdom, understanding. Amen? Amen? We have abundance of all things. We have a peace that surpasses all understanding because of our Savior. And when a man or woman's ways please the Lord, he causes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Amen? Hallelujah. Isn't that good news? Amen. I mean, he's the maker of heaven and earth. The Lord is his name. Hallelujah. So if you'd like to turn with me to Revelations 19, I'm going to be reading from the book of Revelations 19, and I'll start at the 11th verse.
Okay, so we know that when you're dealing with revelations, you're, you're dealing with a future time. So this is a picture of the future. But it was written 2,000 years ago, so it's good for today. Amen? Yes. Amen. Amen. The spirit of revelation is the spirit of prophecy. And I saw heaven opened. This is John speaking. Amen. John the prophet. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful. Amen. And true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. It's called the word of God. And his armies, which were in heaven, followed him upon white horses, cloth in white fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men. And the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them. The flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. Hallelujah. Call to the birds and said, these men that stand before our great God will become bird food. That's the words. That's what the word of God says. Call to the birds and said, come and eat. These are bird food. The enemies of God one day, as the scripture says, will become just bird food. All those who oppose our mighty king will become just that. Because the word has proclaimed in righteousness does he judge and in righteousness does he make war. So one may say, well, that's revelations, that's future, future tense. God is not a, a man of war. Exodus 17 begs to differ. 17 and 6, it says that I will be at war with Amalek forever. If you guys don't remember the story of Amalek, the Amalekites, when the children of Israel were coming out of bondage in Egypt, and there were millions upon millions, there were multitudes of them as they came out, what the children or what the people of Amalek did is they attacked the children of Israel from behind, killing men, women, and children. They, they attacked them from their backs while they weren't looking, and they attacked old people, young people, and children while they weren't looking. So God has declared that I'm at war with that spirit forever. Make no mistake, God and friends, God and the devil are not friends. They are enemies. Okay? And for this reason was the Son of God made manifest in, in 1 John 3 and 8 that he will completely destroy the works of the devil. The works of darkness will be completely destroyed. Amen? Amen. Not to coexist with evil. Not to befriend evil. Not to patty, uh, patty cake with evil or the devil, but they are completely opposites. They are com at complete war with one another. They're not friends. So question to you today, saints, why do we act like God and the devil are friends, like they're in, you know, cahoots to, with one another? Why do we play with sin like, like it's not dangerous, like it won't harm us? When our Savior, he was violent against sin. 
he was so steadfast and so um, so zealous to destroy sin that he had to dr- he had to die a gruesome death on the cross of Calvary. Think about it for for a moment for what he did. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. 39 lashes did he take upon his back, which represents every disease known to man. He took those wounds. He took those those lashings, the beatings of the whip on his back for you and I so that we could be delivered from sickness and disease. He carried our burdens, just as the song says. He carried that cross, that 165-pound cross through the Villa de la Rosa nearly a mile after they beat him on his back, after they lashed him with a whip, after they cut his back open. He still carried that cross for you and for I. He was determined. He was at war with completely destroying our sin so that we can live in complete victory Amen. over the works of the darkness, over every plan of the devil. He did it for you and I. He paid the price so you and I wouldn't have to. And he destroyed our sins on the cross of Calvary, nailing it to the cross. But I want to bring to account to the church tonight, which many of us seem to overlook. Before he got to that point, he was in the garden. It's the garden of Gethsemane. And while he was in the garden, he prayed. And he urged the other disciples to pray with him. But they couldn't. They kept falling asleep. The spirit of slumber came upon the disciples. They kept falling asleep. But he says, can't you, can't you just stay awake? But the spirit of fear came on Yeshua Messiah so greatly that he was sweating drops of blood. But in that place, in the prayer place of Gethsemane, he overcame fear, saints. He defeated the spirit of fear. So we wouldn't have to be afraid and be uncertain. And be intimidated by the devil because he overcame him. And that is called uh, hematidrosis, what he experienced. If you could put that uh, uh, banner for me. Hematidrosis, that's known as a symptom that when you're under great stress and, and, and pain and agony and fear, the spirit of fear doesn't belong to us. Hallelujah. Amen. We take authority over sickness and disease by your blood, Lord God. Hallelujah. You have no right in the saints of God. But this is what he did in that garden. He overcame fear for you and I. Every suffering that Yeshua took on his way to the cross of Calvary was an act of redemption for you and I. If you just take the time. To piece it apart, read it, internalize it, and understand it. Because that's what came against him, fear. Because they didn't want him to complete what he was complete. And while Jesus was in that garden, he asked the Father, Father, if there be any other way, please take this cup from me. Take it away, because this is too great. It was great. Spirit of fear is, is, is wicked, and we've all experienced the f- spirit of fear at some point in time in our lives. Spirit of uncertainty and what we're going to do, you know. But I'd like to encourage you today, I'd like to enjoin you today that Yeshua has paid the price for that. That's why he can, he can say, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. There's only one way to the Father. There's only one way in which we can experience atonement for our sins to the Holy Father. 
And that was the sacrifice that he met, the, the, the holy lamb of God that was delivered to the cross on Calvary. And this is what he did. He paid. He redeemed us wholly and completely. Pastor Tom said a couple of weeks ago is that evangelists often boast that, 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 that they save souls. Pastor's, pastor made a correction. Remember that? He says, I'm the one that saves souls. I'm a pastor. Because after we get born again, our spirit, man, is so far ahead of our souls. It takes us years and years to apprehend what took place when we gave our life to the Lord. So a portion of our, of our, of our soul has been caught up and, and seated in heavenly places, like the scripture says. But it's our, it's, our, it's our soulless region that we need to meet out. We need to walk that part out. Amen? Amen. And my point is, is that it could be warfare doing that. It's not easy. Anybody got it all pretty easy? Without the anointing, amen. And that's what we're here for is to learn to walk in that anointing, walk and activate that power so that life and, and situations and circumstance can be easy. And we have the victory and the devil is fleeing from us, not us fleeing from him. God wants it that way where we speak to the mountain and it moves. Amen. That says Mark eleven twenty three teaches us. We are to speak to our situations. We are to speak to our, our circumstances. And now when we understand what the Lord did bit by bit, scripture by scripture, precept by precept, it's going to revelate to our mind and our souls like, man, Jesus, you did that. You did that all. I believe it was Mary who spoke a couple of weeks about seeing pictures in your mind, getting it into your imagination, internalizing it, making it become real. Amen. Because what he did is real. That, that was a real whip, amen, 39 times. I mean, my gosh, and, and, and it was just no ordinary whip. They had to put a cat of uh, nine tails upon the whip. Oh, they had to take the, take the shirt off, you know, just lay it on there really good until it just rips. Blood comes out, and they did it over and over again until he was, you know, shouting and yelling. It's real. He paid a serious price for you and I, and I don't think, I'm not going to ever forget it. I'm going to thank him every day that I'm alive for what he's done for my salvation, for my soul, and the souls of humanity, whether they want to recognize it or not. Amen? There was no other way. He did it. He paid the way. But in righteousness does he judge and make war. So there will come a time to where it will no longer be spiritual. But it will be physical, real life, before our eyes. Amen? And in, in fact, the whole world will know that Jesus Christ is over. There will be no, no more guessing or anything. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna do it. Praise the Lord. Jesus made it clear while he was on the earth, it wasn't, it wasn't physical. It wasn't physical warfare. But he was trying to get to us, get across to us that it was a spiritual battle. And that's what the Apostle uh, Paul came to reinforce that, that thing. Because when they did come for Jesus and he was prayed up and he was full of power, they asked him, are you Jesus Christ of Nazareth? And he says, I am. And they fell back. That's from building itself up in, in, in prayer. Building up, you know, what he, he was called to do, walking in his purpose and in his plan so that he could overcome anything that came against him. He did it. So the armies fell back. And when they tried to encourage again, that's when Peter took the sword, cut that guy's ear off, and Jesus put the ear back on. And he says, I can call 12 legions of angels down right now. And it would be all over with. None of us would probably be here if he did that. Amen. So I thank him for that. But he knew. He knew. His, 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 that wasn't his enemy. That wasn't his real enemy. And I used to go in my life thinking that certain men were my enemies. You know, my wife's my enemy. My boss is my enemy. Da -da 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 -da. Right? And you'd be going around chasing your tail because that's not the source. That's not the root. So Jesus was, 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 he was, he was determined 
to nail our sin, to completely obliterate and destroy everything negative that would affect and impact our life. He had that made up in his mind. There was nothing going to stop. There was nothing going to stop him to stop him from doing that. And that's why he could carry your burden. He could carry that cross, 165 pounds approximately, pretty heavy. That's about the, about the weight of a person, amen? And nearly a mile he carried it after being beaten, after being uh, uh, taken to the court. And they say, free Barabbas, kill Jesus, rejected. He dealt with rejection. How many of you deal with rejection? At some point of our life, we're going to deal with rejection. Does it feel good? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. But what does the gospel say? We've been accepted in the beloved, in the commonwealth of Israel, and to a new family. So no matter what the world might do to you, whether they reject you, whether they accept you, whether they like you, whether they don't like you, know that you've already been accepted. It happened years and years ago. He had already made up his mind. And if it just had been you, Joe, he would have did it because he made you. He made you. How could Jesus die for each and every one of us? Because he made each and every one of us. How could he love me? How could he love you? How could he love you? Because he made you. He is your creator. Jesus was with the God. Jesus was in the Father at creation, and, and God brought him out inside himself. That's why he's the only begotten of the Father. Amen. He's the Father's offspring, and now he has many sons and daughters of God because you have been brought back. Everything that Adam has destroyed, everything that Adam lost, our Redeemer gained back, and then some. That's why the Scripture says that we are seated in heavenly places far above all principalities, powers, mights, and dominions. All the forces of darkness. Why? Because Colossians 2 and 15 says that after he became sin, after his sins were nailed on the cross, he descended into hell. He even prophesied that. Jesus prophesied that in John. He says, I will be three days in the heart of the earth. What is he doing there? He's making war with the devil. He smacked the snot out the devil, just like it says back in Genesis. He's going to bruise the head of Satan. And made a show of, did it in front of all his friends, all his family, whatever you, you might want to call it, and made a show of it. And then he went and preached to the time, to the people who were in hell during the times of Noah. He gave them a way out. Ain't that a good God? That's a glorious gospel. It takes care of all the questions, all the doubts, all the concerns. It's in the book. It's in our Bible. It's in the Word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, Pat, if I can have that puppy pick, lighten uh, the message up a little bit. But uh, the Bible, once again, encourages us in, in Peter, be sober, be vigilant. <laughs> Because your adversary, the devil, your adversary, amen, come on, church, we got an adversary, but you guys are obedient, and I'm not just saying you guys, but I know a lot of you guys, I know you guys are seeking, seeking God. Pastor talked Sunday about a pure heart, amen, having that pure heart, having a, 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 sincere, a sincere desire to just know God, you know, beyond the surface, know his heart, know what he hates, there's some things that hates. There's some things that grieve the Holy Spirit. And if they grieve the Holy Spirit, I don't want to do it. Amen? If he says, I hate divorce, then guess what? I don't want to be a part of the divorce. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because the your adversary, the devil, seeks whom he can devour. Remember when the, the Lord prayed for Peter? He says, uh, the, uh, Peter... Satan has desire to sift you like wheat. Yeah, a real enemy. Make you into little bitty pieces. Completely disappear, but Jesus said once again, I prayed for you. I spoke the word over you. 
I pray that your plans and your purposes will be fulfilled and you won't be a hypocrite. You won't be a traitor, but you'll be a mighty man of God. Amen. So the picture of the puppy, this nice little puppy, I wanted to show a little video. That's our, our doggy, Cashmere. And uh, beautiful face. I had a video I wanted to show. It's him because, uh, you know, he, I, I let him outside and, and a lot of times when the dew is on the, on the ground, he gets his paws all wet and dirty. And so I got to clean him up before he comes in or mama's going to be screaming at me. So, uh, but I, with the towel that I dry his paws off with, you know, he off, often snaps at it and, you know, attacks it. So we end up fighting and I pull the towel and he's, you know, just going after the towel. And I'm like, man, this little ferocious son of a gun here. <laughs> and a uh, cute little face, but... He's vigilant. He's watchful. He's, most dogs are, right? It's not just cashmere, but this is an example. Uh, he's watchful and he's protectful because what he loves, he doesn't want any harm coming to it. He doesn't want any harm coming to uh, my daughters who, who called him into existence from heaven. And he, he manifested about 12 years ago, right? He's a, he's a fighter, right? I can remember Cashmere as a little puppy. I'm out in the yard just holding him, checking the mail or something, and there was three Wattwallers that run up into our yard. And he's like, let me at him, let me at him. <laughs> little puppy. I was like, oh, my gosh. So we got some stories with this dog, I tell you. But the point is is that he, he's, he's a watchdog, and he's got the heart of a lion. He may be small, 20 pounds, but his heart is, is fierce. And I'm sure he will put his life on the line, you know, in case of, of his family. So the Bible and Peter encourages us to be vigilant in these days and times that we're living in. You know, be sober, be vigilant, be watchful, because we got a job to do. We got to work on ourselves, and then we got to pray others into the kingdom. We got to raise others, get them stronger, and equip them so that they can have victory and in, in turn show everybody else the victory. Amen? All right. Uh, 2 Timothy 1 and 7, you don't have to go there, but uh, once again, um, God has not given us a spirit of fear, right? He took care of fear. He really did. He took care of fear. We just got to lambano it, as our brother main man says often. Receive it, you know, receive it deep into your heart, internalize it. Man, Jesus, you, wow, you obliterated fear, you know. You, it was divine blood that you, you let go in that garden, and you, you could have failed like Adam. You know, Adam had a test in the garden. He, he didn't pass the test. He, you know, it was just too strong. It was too great. And frankly, many of us would have failed too, right? Everybody wants to beat up on Adam when they get to heaven, but they forget he may be an alpha male. He may be like eight feet tall with just big. Oh, yo, you coming for me? <laughs> you coming for me? <laughs> like a rock. I'm like, I'm sorry, Adam. I mean, I thought, you know, I thought, you know, I can, you know, put it on you. But sorry, I forgot you was the first man that God ever made. Wasn't a wimp. <laughs> yeah, so he's not giving us a spirit of fear. Amen, saints? Amen. But, but, but a power. Amen. I love how Pastor Tom talks about the power of the Holy Spirit. The, 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 the yoke-destroying power in, in Isaiah 10, amen, will completely destroy it. You guys saw it. You saw how the, not just your situation, but many times, right, the power of God just boom, just like, wow, you know, what happened to that problem? Completely destroyed it, you know, and that's the good news is that we have that power that we could just activate. The kingdom of heaven is in us, amen. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's why the enemy's nervous when you walk around. If you knew how the, how the enemy is, is so fearful of you, you'd have a little bit more confidence because we have our confidence in him. Our confidence is in him, saints. Hallelujah. Power, love. Amen. We have love. Ain't love amazing? Yeah. Amen. Each day I experience his love, it's, it's, it's just incredible. It really is how he loved us. And he loved us first. He loved us when we didn't know what love was. He loved us when we were unlovable. 
you know, when we many of us had snotty nose and we were spoiled and stuck in our ways, selfish and all that kind of stuff. But he continued to love us just like a good father was. And, uh, you know, a, a part of love is, is if your father disciplines you. And I had a father around, a strong father, and, and he would always dis- discipline me. And I never, even in my kitty mind, I never really thought he never loved me. I, I felt his love, you know, it's because I knew I messed up. You know, I knew I wasn't paying attention in class or I knew I mouthed off to mom. I knew I did something wrong, you know, and I was going to pay for it. And oftentimes before he would spank me, I would see a smirk on his on his face, you know, because I I guess I was reminding him of himself when he was cutting up. So I I found it maybe once or twice that that he really didn't want to do it, you know, but he had to do it and he did it. But uh, that's a form of love, amen? Um, so when, when your father corrects you or he disciplines you, even though we may not understand it, or when fathers have to do it or mothers have to do it, um, it's to, to get us uh, rightly aligned, amen, so that we can have great success. Fear is not God's motive. Never does God really use fear. That's not his, that's not his first choice of, of motivating us. He, he comes from the heart. He comes from, from love and hoping that, that some people will turn. But some people will not turn. That's why in the book of Jude it says, save some with fear. You know, some need some are a little bit a little bit further in the grave. They're a little bit more rebellious, a little hard hard headed. The scripture calls it stiff necked, hard hearted, and rebellious. So they need a little bit more harder word, a little bit more defining word of God. And, and scriptures like I read tonight, that, that normally uh, irons out any crease that they have because it's a day of reckoning come, coming. And the saints of God, we know that. You know, we don't, we don't doubt that at all because this, this world is wicked and we can't love this world. You know, lovers of this world is enmity with the Lord. We can't love this world. We pray for it. We know that Jesus gave his life uh, to redeem this world, but um, everything going on in it, you know, is, is the works of Satan. And the Lord, as we said tonight in 1 John 3 and 8, that God has come to destroy the works of Satan. Completely eradicate it, destroy it, to where it's, it's just no longer repairable. The devil uses fear to control and manipulate and pull you out of God's will. In Job 3 and 25, Job states that the thing that I greatly feared came upon me. So Job was dealing with think, thoughts in his mind. Amen. So when you deal with thoughts in your mind and you're noticing the pattern over and over again, it's fear. You got you to gotta take that thing subject. Amen. You got to put it under your feet. And you have to replace those thoughts with, with better thoughts. Otherwise, the enemy is going to find a place because he's a spirit. Okay. He knows when you done open something, right? Close it back and then replace it with courage. You know, God has not given me a spirit of fear. That's why scriptures are important, because they're remapping our thought life. They're retraining what we've been trained or what has been inherently put in us um, through inheritance and whatnot. So that we have to remap our, our way of thinking and line it up to God's word, what God's word, the report of the Lord, what it says about us, because that's that's the that's the truth. It's just simply the truth. Amen. Amen. And God is for us. God is for us. Remember the story of Elijah. Elijah was on Mount Carmel. And Elijah was living in a time in Israel to where uh, the, 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 the sons and daughters of God, they were being overruled. The enemies of God were taken over. They split the kingdom up. Uh, they were killing the prophets. Um, they were advancing. Instead of the people God advancing, the enemies of God were ad- advancing. So God had to raise people like Elijah up to lift the banner of God up. So what happened uh, in 1 Kings chapter 18, there's a showdown between God and the false prophets of Baal of Balaam because they were trying to get everybody worshiping this false god you know a wood statue imagine worshiping something that 
It has no life itself. But yet we're going to worship that instead of the creator that created us? That's evil, right? It's wicked. So God decided they had to go, right? So he challenged them to a showdown, and it was on Mount Carmel in Israel. So he says, I tell you what, you get a sacrifice, you bring it on the altar, all right? And the God that answers by fire, that's going to be the God. So they did just that. About 450 of those prophets, they took the sacrifices that they had, they laid it on the altar, they called it on their God, they sit there for hours upon hours upon hours, no answer at all. So Elijah started mocking them. Oh, he was confident. He was bold. He said, why don't you try to call your God again? Maybe he's sleeping. <laughs> right? He's like, what's the problem? Don't you see? Your God ain't going to answer. Until finally, Elijah puts his sacrifice on the altar. And he calls on the God of Israel. But before he does that, he wets the sacrifices up with water. He douses them with four gallons of water. Or, you know, four barrels, they call it, of water. Yeah, two. There's a, then he digs a trench, fills that with water as well. Make sure it's really wet. He's just going to make it really ridiculous. Again, triumph over them openly. And prove to them that the God of Israel is God. And when he called on the God of Israel, it lit that sacrifice on fire. It soaked it up. It soaked up the water in the trenches. It soaked up all the water on the altar. And at that point, the prophets of Baal had to go. Took them by the river, and they were gone. Now, what are we doing with our prophets, the prophets that come to tell us that we'll never amount to anything? You're a loser. You're going to remain in the same condition. You'll never amount to anything. Are we, as people of God, taking those prophets to our altar and just completely slaying them? Amen. Completely destroy them. Those thoughts that mean you no good. Just eradicate them, delineate them. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Now, we see Elijah in, 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 in uh, 1 Kings and 18. He's very brave. But there's something, if you read the story, that happens to Elijah. And I believe what happened after he made that bold act, guilt came upon him. So that war that was physical became spiritual. And it got inside here. Because he became afraid again of Jezebel. She was a witch living at that time. And she was the main source encouraging these false idols to do what they were doing, which would was lead people uh, astray outside of the, the, the will of God. I mean, how would you like it if you called 911 and you needed help with a fire burning in your house? And there was a circus going on. That'd be dangerous, right? Amen. So a false prophet is dangerous because they're directing the source, a source that could do you no good, could do you no benefit, into no benefit because we saw what happened on the altar. The God didn't answer. Their God didn't answer. But the God that answered by fire, he was God. So God knew where Elijah was. God knew that Elijah was dealing with fear. So God says, I want you to anoint Jehu. I want you to anoint Hazael. And I want you to anoint Elisha. And with these three people, they're going to help you and assist you overcome what you have to overcome. Just as Ecclesiastes says, a threefold cord is not easily broken. God knew that these reinforcements will help him in his endeavor to overcoming these spiritual forces in darkness. Amen. Scripture says in Ephesians 6, that not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, mights, and dominions. And we fight the good fight of faith. 
So Jehu was a man that, by the power of a shout, erected Jezebel out of the tower, and she fell to her death. It was Jehu who brought an end to the chaos that was going on in Israel with a shout, saints. Wasn't it a shout that they brought down the walls of Jericho with a shout as they marched together? Readiness of mind, readiness, readiness of heart, singleness of purpose brought clarity and revelation on what they were to do, right? So when you're facing a tough time and a, and a tough situation, you got to completely get rid of those thoughts of fear and replace them with what the scripture says. And it's so important to, to have these scriptures, to have a scripture. It doesn't have to be, a many, you know, many of scriptures, but at least one that you can stand on. I am the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm blessed in the city, blessed going out. In Luke uh, 19.13, these are instructions to the saints. He in, in, uh, enjoins us to occupy, occupy this territory, occupy the earth until he comes. That's Luke 19.13. Interpretation of that will be to do business until I come. To continue to establish the kingdom of heaven. To continue to pull down strongholds in the earth. And erase the banner of God. To make places of prayer and sanctuaries. Do business. Do the Lord's business until he comes. When uh, Jesus was a little child... And they were looking for him. He got away from his parents, Mary and Joseph, in Luke 2.49. He says, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I'd be about my father's business? I'd be in the temple of God. After Jesus uh, raised Lazarus from the dead, and, and everybody knew he was the Messiah because uh, Lazarus was past dead. I mean, he was dead, stinking, in the grave for four days. That's when he came riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. Right? He came real humble on a donkey because kings typically rode on horses. But that's why we see him in Revelation as coming on a horse because he is a king. But there he was humble. He was meek and he was lowly because it was a time for redemption for all people. It was a time of grace and, and mercy and repentance and, and finding who the real Messiah was. And they knew he was the real Messiah. That's why the Sanhedrin, they, they figured that he had to die. He had to be crucified because they weren't, they weren't going to accept that. That was a heresy to them, that he could be the son of God. But right, the event right after that, after he rode into Jerusalem, he had to get the money changers out of the, out of the temple. And he whipped them. He berated them for changing money exchanging money in the temple. And he proclaimed, my father's house is a house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. I'm talking about Jesus, our warrior king. He whipped them and kicked them out of the temple of God. Didn't ask them, just took out a whip and let them have it. Because no man can serve two masters. You must love one and hate the other saints. Pastor often uh, refers to the scripture in Hebrews. We got to love righteousness and hate iniquity. We got to love it. We got to love righteousness. You know, you can't love or have the love of money and love our God. And that, only, that means 
you do wicked things to get money. And there's plenty of people that do wicked things. They will sell their soul just to get money. And I thought it was so very good that you shared your testimony last time and you said you had to get anything that you felt or you sensed was an idol. It had to go. And after the Lord spoke to you uh, in your heart that it was an idol and, and, and it had to go, it didn't matter how much it cost, it's got to go. And me and Tasha, we recognized that one time in our life. And we just, we cleaned house. We got everything out of the house, you know. But also we have to take from time to time, we have to take an inventory, saint. What's going on, you know, what's going on in our household? What are we putting our eyes on? What are we listening to? You know, because whatever, whatever um, that is not of faith is sin. And sin don't hurt God, it hurts us. Because it, it takes us off course. It pulls us out of the way, out of alignment. And little by little, pretty soon before you know it, you know, you'll be, you won't be coming to church anymore. Because that's the, the devil's design is to, to weaken the saints of God, to wear you out. And he has devices. That's why the scripture also encourages us, do not be ignorant of his devices. And to put on the whole armor of God. Amen? The helmet of salvation, which is hope, you know. You always have a positive future. You always have a positive outlook on life. Why? Because Yeshua paid the price for your success. He's already guaranteed our victory. All we have to do is just walk in it. Amen. Amen. We got the sword of the spirit. We got the breastplate of righteousness. It just covers all of our vital organs here. Our heart, our lungs, the air that we breathe. It's just protected. Amen. Hallelujah. The, the, the sword of the spirit. We got the word of God. We got the promises of God. Hallelujah. And we got our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Everywhere we go. Hallelujah. The Lord had declared to Joshua that he would give him the land. Everywhere you go, you will have great success. Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. Great success. Okay. I got to wrap this up. I just want to share. Uh, dealing with the spirit of fear, there was a time where um, me and our family, um, a few years back, uh, the girls were, were, you know, preparing to go to college. And, um, and it, was, it was different because my wife, she had homeschooled them, and uh, she always had them around. You know, they, was, they were always there. I mean, kind of like they're always here right now. Amen. But at that particular time, they were going to be three hours away. You know, they were going to be in a different city uh, doing something different. And it was, it was strange, you know, and it was, it, was, it was challenging. And thoughts came, you know, and we had to run thoughts off. And we had to make sure we were on, on top of our confession and speaking over them and encouraging them. And, you know, just as hindsight is twenty twenty, looking back, they did experience challenges, and we experienced challenges, and we overcame each and every one of those challenges. And now they're both college graduates. Glory be to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. And all three of them actually are, are working on their, uh, they're working on their graduate degrees, and, uh, but we, we count it all joy. Amen. Amen. Because when the devil comes, because he's the one testing us, it's, it's not God. It's, it's, it's the devil because he wants to uproot and supplant you. And he's going he's gonna to test the babies, those who are young in faith. But, you know, thanks be to God that they had a mother that, that trained them in the word. And they know God's promises. They know how to put their, their armor on. And, you know, saints, it's an everyday thing. We can't put our armor on once and, and forget it two weeks. Because it's, 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 I'm here to tell you that it's, it's a, it, it is a battle. It is spiritual warfare, and we war not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. The, the, the opposition is real, all right? And, and don't let nobody sugarcoat that or, or, or you know, downplay that. Uh, and where I grew up, where I grew up in outside of L.A., I seen a lot of evil at a young age, okay? So I know evil is, is real, you know? I seen young men who, who, who are just full of the devil and, and will, will pull a gun with, with no problem at all. Well, with blow a life away, you know, at a heartbeat, just to be in the game, you know. So a lot of, lot of, lot of hardness out there, a lot of evil and wickedness. 
But God's grace has been on my life, and I thank him for it because he kept me out of those streets. He kept me out of those things that would, would, would be, you know, put me into uh, a horrible situation and, and have a terrible life, you know. So I just want to thank God today. So I want to thank you all for coming out. Uh, once again, saints, I encourage you to, to uh, be steadfast, be unshakable, be unmovable in faith. Amen? Because we have a real Savior, a real King, and He's a warrior King. And He is for us, and He's not against us. Heavenly Father, we bless Your name today. We thank You, Father God, to be able to come into Your presence tonight, Lord God, and to just reflect on your goodness, Father God, to reflect on your faithfulness, Lord. Hallelujah. You are so faithful, Father God. And uh, that's just the most amazing thing is that you are king, you are ruler over all, but you just, you just love us, Father. You love us. You've been patient and you have been kind to us, Father God. And we are those who desire to lift the banner of Jesus Christ, to lift it high because you are the savior of all humankind, Father God if they just would open up their mouth and receive you. So we just pray for that right now in the name of Jesus, that every willing soul, every willing vessel who would receive you tonight, Father God, in this place or abroad, that they will have your, your uh, heart in them, they will have your mind, and they would know you on an intimate level. We give you all the praise, all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. amen.